All right, good morning, and welcome back once again. And uh, you know that we, we do things a little different here. We talk about what needs to be talked about. We talk about the truth. We talk about what God has for us. And it may not always line up, and most of the time it doesn't, with what the world says. And there's a very good reason for that. It's because that Satan has dominion over the world. And we're going to talk about our enemy a little bit today. And for many of us, we don't believe that there is an enemy. We don't want to let that thought cross our minds because, first of all, many of us doesn't believe that there's a God. Don't believe in a heaven, don't believe in a hell. And for another portion of us, we don't want to think about there is a, a negative aspect of life, that there is something that's out there to get us, that there is a, a dark force. But there's been a theme across the course of my teaching that there is light and dark, and that we cannot simply bump down the middle, that we have to make a choice. And by not choosing to step into the light, the darkness automatically covers us. Let's look what John has to say about our enemy. In chapter 8, verse 39, they answered him and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if they are Abraham's children, ye would do the work of Abraham. But ye seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do not do the deeds of your father, they say unto him. We are not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, would you love me? For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And I'm because I tell you not the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convince me of sin? And I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that of God heareth God's words, and therefore hear them not, because they are not of God. And most of this is written in red, the words of Jesus. And he is drawing some clear lines in the sand. He says, if you are of God, if you are from the line of Abraham, if you are from his line, if you hear his word, then you follow that truth. And it says, if you do not believe that truth, you follow the devil, Satan. That is your father. And he is the father of lies. 
And so many of us get wrapped up in his lies. The title of today's message is called The Devil's Trap. How many of us fall into that devil's trap? 1 John 5 and 19. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and we has given us understanding that we may know him that is true, that we are in him, and that is true even the Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. We fell into sin. God created us. He gave us this world. Man was tempted. Man fell for that temptation. And as a result, turned the world over to Satan. And of course, Jesus had a rescue plan for us. And he executed that plan. And if we choose to, we can be covered in his blood. We can be bought back by him. He has paid the debt already. We have that gift and all we have to do is receive it if we want it. Because God also gives us that choice. Now the devil, he plays by a a different set of rules. He's not concerned about our choice and our free will. He is willing to do whatever it takes... To stop God. Now for many people we want to believe on the side of science. And we have trouble believing in God because we can't see him. And we can't feel him. We can't do all these things that we can't, we can't, we can't. And the reason is that we don't know how. We don't receive. We don't want to see it. So we don't believe it's there. We do the same thing with Satan. We simply want to, And there's hardcore believers that come to church, that listen to the word, that proclaim a love for Jesus, but yet choose not to accept that we are under the dominion of dark forces. Even though that it is all over the word of God. We talked a couple weeks ago about How many times that Jesus had to cast out demons? How many times the disciples casted out demons? How many times that was a reoccurring theme? Because that is an issue that we humans have to deal with then and now. Now we just let the world disguise it and call it something else. Because Satan wants to take all the emphasis away from God. And I'll show you God. I'll show you Satan. You just got to open up your minds to it. See, it doesn't matter what kind of evidence I put before you, what kind of truth I tell you. If your mind's already made up, then you're not going to see it. If you jump into the Word of God with a predetermined outcome, all you're going to do is find information that's going to back up what you want to say. 
That's why we have so many manipulations of the word because people want to manipulate and shape and cut the word out and add things to it the way God tells us not to do to make the word fit their ideology. So we have, we have Satan. And he wanted to rise to power. He thought that he was better than what he was. He thought he was greater than God. And he was cast out of heaven. He's already been defeated. He's already been defeated. God has defeated him. Jesus has defeated Satan. Jesus has reclaimed everything that he stole by manipulation. So Satan can't win the battle. But yet he still has a grudge. He has this horrible, horrible grudge for God. And he knows that he can't win the war, but it ain't going to stop him from going to war, to doing battle. And he may not be able to win over all, but he can have small victories. And every soul that he turns away from God, that's a victory in his book. Every one of us that he can torment, that's a victory in his book. And every time that he can turn us away, he can make us doubt, that he can break down our faith and break down our relationship with God, that is a victory. And it's one of these things that spiral. Because not only is he hurting us, but he's hurting the people around us. Because they see our defeat. They see our lack of faith. They feed off our doubts and our fears. And it helps them to develop their own. They see us fall. And have a hard time getting back up. And they look at that and they say, well, that's not for me. Because Apparently, this God stuff doesn't work. So there's more and more victories for the dark side. Satan is very good at what he does. Where we just read from says he was murderous from the beginning. You notice the things that how the, the word describes him. In 1 Peter, they call him a roaring lion, sinking who will he devour. He comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Murderous from the beginning. My friends, this is not a, a prankster. This is not a small-level criminal. This is a monster that cares not for one of you, that cares only to destroy you, to crush you in the most 
profound way. To not only mess up your lives, but be an example for everyone else to use you as a weapon of destruction. And he does very well at it. We see all throughout history, predominantly now, we see wickedness in the world. We see wickedness of people. These people are not walking in the light. So where do they source from? Their father, the devil. We Christians, we that seek the truth, we struggle. We talked about a little crack in your armor. All it takes is just a little bit of fear, a little bit of doubt, a little bit of not knowing, a little bit of not having the correct truth. And we can get wounded pretty bad. We can let a lot of the world seep in and it can start to change our outlook. But imagine if you do not have any kind of foundation or worse, you place your allegiance in the dark. And I'm not talking about just people that are satanic or that kind of nature, but if you're not in the light, you're in the dark. You don't seek things of the kingdom of heaven. You seek things of the world. So by default, you are seeking things of Satan. Greed. Lust. We're just feeding that curse. All of us are under that earth curse system where we think we don't have enough and we try to hunt and gather and get ahead. But without God being the buffer and your source, that curse runs rapid. And you're willing to do whatever it takes to feed that greed, to feed that need for power, to feed that need for lust. And all these things, because we don't have Jesus to change our direction. And we're underneath that constant influence of the dark world. And there's nothing to shut it down, to say, no, this isn't right. By the time it gets to the point where you're a person that outwardly shows their wickedness, your conscience is seared. You no longer hearing the Holy Spirit. You are engulfed in the darkness. Now, we're at battle. What's a good battle plan? If you're a, a leader of an army and you're going to attack, you want to have some kind of a plan. And the best thing to do is to, to catch the enemy off guard. You want to come at night under the cover of darkness. It provides you a, an advantage because they can't see you coming. It provides you a, a psychological advantage because people are more nervous and intimidated in the dark. Another method they use in war is to cut off 
supplies to cut off the food, to cut off the water, to cut off the power. Because when we start not having these things, it weakens us. We become weak, we become tired, we become hungry, we become thirsty, malnourished, all these different things. And it's easier to attack when your enemy is not at their prime. How about a more softer example? Are you football fans? Well, you have one team that's really dominating the other one. Eventually, the coach may pull out the first string, put in the second string. Because it's valuable experience for these players that don't get to play as much. There's only a small chance of them turning around and and the other team seeking out a victory so they can get out there. And it's okay if they're not as good as the first string. It's okay if they make mistakes because they've got enough spread to allow for it. Now, many times we would expect that they're not going to do as well. We may not see as many points scored or the other team may start to advance. But what happens is that the other team, even with a less skilled set of players as opponents, are still at a disadvantage. And that disadvantage is they've already been playing for so long. So they're, they're tired. This other team is now, they're coming out, they've rested up, they've, they're hydrated, they're fresh. They're ready to come out there and they're excited. And they also, there's a psychological momentum. This fresh team's coming out, they're winning. They're on the winning team. So they have that, they're psyched up, they're, they're ready to go. Versus the other ones that are already defeated Mentally. Because they can look up at the scoreboard, they look up at the clock, and they say there's no way that these numbers are going to average out. No matter what we do, there's no way that we can get a victory. So not only are they physically beat, they are mentally beat as well. So what does any of this have to do with our topic today? You've heard the expression that bad things come in threes. We hear things like we are waiting for the other shoe to drop. When it rains, it pours. And you can insert whatever of your favorite catchphrase you want to put in here for when bad things happen. And it's It's no surprise because when we think about it, we think about that we have an enemy that's constantly attacking us just for being a believer, just for being a child of God, just because we're on the opposing team, that he's going to attack us when we're weak. In Matthew chapter 4 is the the temptation... Of, of Jesus. You know, the, the Holy Spirit led 
Jesus in there to be tempted. And you say, why? Because we are all tempted by Satan. This is a normal aspect of living in this world. Satan has the dominion and the authority to do so. And Jesus, before he was tempted, he was on a fast. 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry, to say the least. And I can't imagine, because I miss one meal, and my attitude is already starting to change. But he was there for 40 days and 40 nights, and fasting. And he was weak. We know that lack of food makes you weak. So, what happens? Satan shows up when he's at his weakness. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made into bread. And look at that. He came out on an attack on two different ways. First of all, he looked at his vulnerability. Well, you're hungry. And then also, he attacked his pride. He was using his silver tongue to basically call him a liar. Are you the son of God, as you say? Well, if you are, if you are, you need to to prove it. But Jesus, he wielded his sword and he said, if it's written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. But wait, Satan wasn't done yet. He came to him again. He took him upon the holy city and he settled upon the pinnacle of a temple. And he said to him, if thou the son of God cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and their hands shall bear thee up. And at least thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus once again turned to the sword of the Lord, a.k.a. the Holy Bible, the word of God. And he said, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord of God. He's poking at him again. He said, well, it says this. Why don't you prove it to me? Why don't you show who you are you really who you say you are? Because I don't see any proof of it. I need some proof. Why don't you show me? But he's not done yet. So now, imagine that. You're hungry. You're tired. And now, you got this fellow that is constantly nagging you. He is Attacking your character. He's attacking who you are. He's calling you a liar. And again, the devil take him into a seating high mountain and show him the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith to them, all these things I will give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship thy Lord God and him only shall thy serve. And then finally, the devil went and left him alone. 
and the angels came to minister to Jesus. But this pattern that Satan sets up, he exercises this in our lives too. Now, it may not be this Ebenezer Scrooge adventure where we travel all over and we get showed all these different things, but we get attacked when we are weak. And we get attacked multiple times when we are weak and when things are are going wrong. And just look back in your lives how many times that this happens to you. You get some some bad news at the doctor, and then on the way home you're having car trouble. And then you walk through the front door, and there's something wrong with the house. And it's real easy, it's real easy when you're having problems with one thing. Especially when it's something major. You have a real bad health problem, and they don't know how they're going to treat it. You know, that's, that's life-changing. And then these things just start are piling up. Now you've got to come up with money that you don't have. You've got to be able to, to fix this thing you don't know how you're going to fix. There's just all these things that, that seem to be piling upon you, and you don't know what to do. And then, on top of that, Satan starts telling his lies. Well, if God really loves you, why is all this happening? Is this the way a child of God is supposed to be treated? And I've been there. I have been there. Sometimes me and God have to have a real serious conversation because here it is, you got me up here, you got me teaching your word and yet you look at my life as an example and things are not going well in it. We look out here today and we see all these empty seats and this is a far cry from the vision that you showed me of why I should be doing this in the first place. And we get met with challenge after challenge after challenge. And we say, why? Why? We have to look back at at the truth. See, because God's not concerned about our feelings in a moment. He's not worried about how we feel, how uncomfortable we are. He's worried about our relationship. He's worried about our faith. And it takes these times. It takes these breaking points. Now we look at at, at Job. And people have a lot of questions about Job. You know, that it seemed like it was a... there's a lot to Job. We could talk for a couple days on Job about how Job got into that situation and what God's role was in that situation. 
But the bottom line is, is that there's always ways for Satan to get at us. Because none of us are, are perfect. And no matter how hard we try, there's always going to be a little crack somewhere that Satan can get in. And Job was no different. You know, he was a, a prime example of a God-fearing man at the time, but yet he was still a man. And he had his, his issues. He was a sinner just like anyone else. There was ways to, to get to him. And we see that, you know, Satan and God have their little conversation back and forth, and it almost seems like it's a, a, a backhanded bet with Job being a, a pawn in the whole thing, and that was simply not the case because Satan had the authority to do whatever he wanted to do to Job because he is in control of this world. And, in fact, the Satan was, was challenging God that, hey, you're, do, you're overstepping what's supposed to be done here that you're overstepping into my area without the property or authority to do so. And God said, no, in fact, if you think so, have at it. That this is a man of faith. This is a man I can count on because I know. I know how he's going to, to turn out. And all of these horrible things happened to Job. He had health issues he lost children. He lost property. Even his wife, that's supposed to be his biggest fan, was telling him, oh, just go ahead, curse God, and be done with it. Go ahead and die and stop this torment. At that point, Job was alone with only his faith. He only had God to count on. And he never lost track of that. And because of that, he was able to be carried through this situation and he had everything restored. That's a lesson to all of us. And one time I was there too, I was like, you know, this doesn't seem fair. This guy is getting... Way too much. Why is God allowing this to happen? It's making him stronger. And it shows us that there is nothing that Satan can do to us that God can't fix. There's nothing that Satan can do to us that God can't fix. Talking the other day about someone that was, was sick and they was in a, a dire situation with, I mean, just totally engulfed with cancer. And they was able to come through that. And you wonder why is it that it seems like some people get in such dire situation and are able to return and others can have just the, the smallest thing and it seems to, to take them out. 
And a lot of it is our attitude and where we stand with God. Jesus raised Lazarus from the grave. He was dead. And he restored him. God pulled Jesus out of the grave. I don't think there's anything that you can do more than dead. That's the end. And that's the absolute... You know, we get so consumed about stuff. You know, if we don't have any money, if we don't have any things, if we don't have any place to stay, we get worried about all of this stuff of the world. But, you know, as long as we're, we're living, we can start over and rebuild. And at any time, we can always come back. We can always get more stuff. But dead, there's no coming back from that. But Jesus can. Jesus came back from the dead. Jesus restored the dead. So if Jesus can restore the dead, if he can fix the ultimate fail, he can fix whatever else is happening in my life. We get so caught up about what the facts say. We get called such fools. They say that we're foolish because we believe in a man in the sky. That we pray to something that we can't see. They say we should trust science. The word is the only truth. It's the only thing that you can gather fact from. Because everything else, what we call science, is all written by man. It's man's ideas, man's conclusions. They tell us that we need to do these certain things. Keep this distance, wear this mask, take this thing there, and everything will be fine. And now we find out that all these things wasn't quite true. They tell us to trust science, but biology tells us there's only male and female, as is the Word of God, but yet they say that there can be infinite amount of, of genders. These folks are, are Satan's lies. And see, when we come through these difficulties, and as long as we stay in faith and we believe, we will come through these difficulties. We come through stronger. And ain't it so, so neat? Ain't it such a good thing whenever you're in such a dire situation? Now, at the time, you don't think about it. Side if you're just in a dire situation. But once you get past it, and things happen that line up. You know, God, he's never late. He always shows up right at the nick of time. Now, I wish for my sake that he would be on the side of early. 
because that's that much longer. We have to go right up to the deadline before he shows up. And we have to keep faith all that time. I mean, it would not bother me one bit if he wanted to show up a day or two early and take a little pressure off of me. But that's not the way he works. And we have to have that faith all the way up to the finish line that he's going to show up and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And then he does. And what a a relief it is. And especially when he shows up in a way that you never even thought of before. When he comes out of left field with a solution. When he goes against science and what the doctors say. And healing comes from a direction that never should be. See, people that haven't experienced God has never seeked Him or never realized He's there. We live in a I generation situation. Even believers, you can ask someone, How do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I have faith. I have accepted Jesus. I go to church every Sunday. I do this and I do that and I do all these things because I am a good person and I am a believer when it should be he. He gave his life for me. He allowed himself to be put up on that cross. He provided a way for me to have direct contact with God. He tore down the veil. He covered me with his blood. He saved my soul. He paid my ransom. He interceded for me each and every day. He is my Lord. He is my shepherd. He is my savior. He is my source. I had nothing to do with it. I cannot do anything without him because I do do all things through Christ which strengthens me. The devil's got traps all over the place. He's going to come at you at your weakness. And he's going to make you weak any chance that he can so he can have a way to attack you. We have to realize that he is a real and an intimate threat. But he's not a deadly threat. He's already been defeated. He's like a cold, really. He can make you feel uncomfortable, but he's not going to kill you. You're protected by God. He's already been defeated. Sometimes we have to remind him of that. We have to remind him of who we are. We have to remind ourselves of who we are so we can put him behind us. 
He wants to get in front of us. He wants to block us and get our eyes off God. Remember where our eyes need to go.